We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, that was the interview with uh, Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. So we're going to dive right into questions and give you all a chance to to ask some questions about the interview, about whatever else you want to talk about. So we're going to dive right into that, and just going to be me today. Vince is uh Vince is doing some shopping today for some household appliances with the misses. So we're gonna we're gonna dive right in and and get into this, and uh, we'll go through some of these questions were put out before the interview with Coach Reese, but we'll get to those first, and then you know that's what we'll do as we continue out the show. So first, Coleman Smith. Well, actually, Matthew Thomas got us started. So let's go, baby. Let's go, go Irish. And now let's dive into some Notre Dame questions. Matthew, thanks for kicking it off. Coleman Smith, is there a reason Notre Dame offers only a few quarterbacks every year? Yeah, they really only want to offer guys that they want, guys that they really like. And usually they've been able to zero in on a small number of guys very early and focus on those guys. And in some years, they've only offered one quarterback. And, you know, they they got the guys they wanted. And Coleman follows up with, I'm surprised they haven't offered more considering 2023 is so deep at the position. At quarterback, you have to be careful because if you offer too many quarterbacks, then, you know, are, am I your guy? Do you like this other guy? You need to be able to have a small number say, look, you're our guy. We have these other guys on the radar in case we don't get you. But you're our guy. I mean, we saw – We've seen in the past. We saw it this year with a with a top quarterback that that went somewhere else. He um he a school that like that that told him he was their number one. They offered another quarterback because they weren't going to get him, and there was rumors that it upset him and all these other kind of things. And you have to be careful with that. So there's a lot more strategy that goes involved into to recruiting quarterback than others. Eric, 1863, how do you feel about the SI report stating that the Rose Bowl could throw a wrinkle into college football playoff expansion? I'm a traditionalist, so I like the fact that the Rose Bowl is trying to say, hey, we're going to honor what's been tradition for a very, very long, long time. I I, I have no problem with it. I, I think at the end of the day, the article stated two options, and one of them will come to be, and that is the Rose Bowl will change their mind. And and they'll be part of the conversation or the playoff will move on without the Rose Bowl being part of it, or they can just make them. I think the other one was they could just make them always a quarter finalist because then they would play. So I, it'll get worked out. It won't be something that, um, it won't be something that, that will keep the playoff from expanding. It's just whether or not the Rose Bowl is going to be a part of it. Uh, Michael Scheller says, Hey, Brian, 
Any new intel regarding next week's recruiting cookout, visitors, and so on? Seeing all the preliminary visit lists, I'd like to see more offensive targets added. I don't have anything else to add that's not already out there. Uh, in regards to that, I, I know that they're trying to get some more offensive guys to show up, but I, I don't know who is or isn't going to show up. I think Dante Moore coming is the big thing for me. Getting him on campus is, you know, for the second time in a month is going to be very, very important for them. Nolan Esparza says, this is a big year for Tommy Reese in the offense, in my opinion. A lot of blame was put on the limitations of Ian Book. This year, it's all on Tommy Reese. No one can blame Book anymore. I agree. I think it's a very good observation, but I also think part of that is it's it's going to show up. I think the offense is going to be better this year. How much better is going to be the question? But it won't just – and if the offense better, it won't just be because Jack Cohn's better than Ian Book as a passer, which I think he is. It's – you know, there's going to be some healthy weapons this year that they didn't have last year. Cardin Williams is going to be a year older. Chris Terry's going to be a year older. Michael Mayer is going to be a year older. So it won't be just as simple as, oh, he's better than, you know, uh, Ian Book. I, I I think he is, but I think they'll be more more involved in it. Michael Scheller asks, is anything new on Xavier Wonkpa? Is it still a case that the longer this goes, the better for Notre Dame? Thanks, Brian. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, I don't think he's going to make a decision right now. I think that's I think Notre Dame has been able to weather the potential, you know, Ohio State commitment storm this summer, and now they're going to go into the fall with a shot to impress them. And I, I think they will. I think that's that's kind of what you've been hoping for, Xavier Nwangpa, is just take this into the fall, get a chance to get him on campus, and show him everything that Notre Dame is about on game day. Which this year, with the stadium being full again, is going to be a it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a lot of fun being on campus for games this year. Roderick Blackman says, Hero and Lucas should be our focus. No one else with these two. Uh, we are there defensively gap close. I, I still think you have to throw Xavier Nwankpa in there, Roderick, unless you're only talking about the defensive line. I think you still have to recruit Cyrus Moss. As long as he's listening, you got to keep recruiting. But, you know, that's obviously would be an ideal scenario for Notre Dame would finish with those two guys. You know, you get Hero, you know, Hero Canoe and Anthony Lucas, that's a heck of a finish. But I still believe Xavier Nwankpa's every bit as important, if not slightly more important than even those, those two guys. So, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, you think about it, Roderick, you start looking at those two guys that you're talking about, you start looking at Xavier and Wonkpa, and if they're able to get those three guys, which is doable, but will be very tough. I don't know if there's going to be a better defensive class in the entire country than that group, in my opinion. OC Irish fan asking a question that's been very popular. And, and I know we'll get some Reese questions here in a minute. I just want to go through and, and, you know, do what we always do, which is answer everybody's questions. But I know this gets talked about a lot. Coach, one thing that burns my butt is a DB not looking back for the ball. Why recruit someone that does not demonstrate that skill in high school? Well, a couple things. Number one is not every defensive back in college is taught to look back for the ball. There are some NFL defensive back coaches and some college defensive back coaches that say, hey, look, Looking back for the ball at times is gonna it's gonna allow you to get your hands on the ball, but other times it's gonna cause you to lose the receiver and and not find the ball. And there's a time and a place to look back for the ball, and there's a time and a place not to look back for the ball. If you're if a guy's got a step on you, I don't want you looking back for the ball because if you look back for the ball, there's a chance you're gonna lose that guy and it's gonna go over your head. I want you to play the receiver's hands. When he shoots his hands, you shoot your hands through. That's what I want to see certain DBs do. Honestly, a lot of times when corners would look back for the ball and try to find the ball, if the ball is thrown somewhat accurately, you don't have a chance because I know where it's going to be as a receiver and my receivers would know where it was going to be. You're not going to have as much of a chance of knowing that. So there's a time and a place to play the ball and there's a time and a place to play the receiver. And 
I, I think fans have to understand that a little bit. Now, there were times in their names receivers didn't or DBs did not play the ball well. I think it, it, it part of that is you have to have length to be able to play the ball there. I don't want a 5'9 guy playing the ball. I want him playing the receiver, at least not as much. But that's part of the, the ideal aspect of the length that Notre Dame is recruiting. You know, Ryan Barnes can play the ball and play the receiver. I think I see Philip Riley can do that. Chance Tucker can do that. Chance Tucker does that as well as anyone that Notre Dame has signed. I mean, it, it, really, really good at it. Dante Moore's close in that regards. Ben Morrison can, can do that. Jaden Mickey's very good at that. So I, I think those guys are, you know, they're, they are looking for that. And that's something that I believe is coaching staff. And this is what I brought up in the interview with John. It's intentional that Notre Dame's coaching staff is looking for guys that, that, that make a lot of plays in the football in high school. It is definitely a trait that this coaching staff values. Coley White says, where are the Irish in regards to special teams? Will it be a strength this year, a detriment in the future? I think right now, Coley, I think it's going to be a strength in, far, in regards to coverage. I think their coverage units are going to be outstanding again. It's been a strength for years. I think Jay Bramlett is going to quietly be one of the best punters in the country. He's not going to blow people away with these 65-yard bombs, but he's just incredibly consistent, great hang time, great ball placement. You're, he's just almost impossible to get any kind of good return on, and, and that's what I want. I'd rather take a 44-yard punt that gets fair caught every time than a guy that occasionally kicks it 35 and a guy that then booms at 70 with on a line drive that allows the guy to run it back you know, beyond to where the net is less than 44 yards. So uh, I think they're going to be good there. I think the two questions I have – our number one, will Jonathan Dorr get back to the guy he was in 2019, which is very steady, very consistent, strong leg. You know, technique was good. Mindset was good. Last year, he lost confidence, and, and it resulted in him some making some some misses, some kicks he never should have missed. I mean, he drills a deep kick, you know, field goal against Clemson and then comes back the next time and shanks a borderline PAT field goal attempt. You know, it's going to be consistent. And then the other part is, do they do anything to get the return game going? You know that's that's going to be a, a very a very big question to this as well. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Corey D with the super chat. Corey, thank you so much for that, man. I really really appreciate it. Uh, Corey asked, only caught the end of the Reese interview. Do you get the sense that Notre Dame will recruit different types of receivers rather than only six foot four receivers? I don't know if I can say that I got that from the interview. Uh, I, I think if you look at what they're doing in the 2023 class. There's definitely some smaller guys that are on the board, Jalen Brown being one. Carnell Tate's only about 6'2", but he's a similar type of player. Uh, Nathaniel Joseph is a guy that's on their board right now. So, you know, and Xavier, you know, Xavier Bradshaw's still on the list. He's, you know, he's planning on visiting in September from my last conversation with him. So he's at least still on the board. You know, he, he he's definitely there. It's just whether or not they're going to, they're going to close on him. And I think it's, it's, there's more to it than just, He's not tall. I think there's some other things going on that need to get worked out to to be able to really make a push to get him in the class. So I think that's that's going to be the big the big question there is can he get to that point where he's able to do that? And if he does, then you know th there's a chance they'll add him. It may be too late. They may fill up, but you know I, I think I think it's a situation where. I can't answer that question definitively because I need to see them go through another full class. I mean, this is really the first full class that Tommy Reese has put together as his offensive coordinator. I mean, last year's class, Deion Colsey and Lorenzo Styles were committed when Chip Long was the offensive coordinator. So we're gonna get a we're gonna get a chance to find out what he really likes in this class. 
D-Rock picked up. So we're kind of getting into some of the stuff about the Coach Reese interview. Uh, D-Rock says, easy to learn and comprehend, bingo. Look, there were so many good takeaways I had from the Tommy Reese interview. I I, I mean, I went upstairs after I did it, told my wife, I said, boy, that was, that was awesome. You know, and he hit on a lot of the notes that we've discussed a lot here at Irish Breakdown. You know, he talked about at the very end, if you just go to the end of the conversation, you know, I said, hey, how do you want this this offense to be defined. And I tried to leave it a little bit vague because I wanted him to kind of take it where he, where he, you know, how he comprehended it and, and then answer it. And he took it exactly where I wanted him to take it. And that was, he said, aggressive and efficient. Well, it's very similar to what, what we've been saying at Irish breakdown, which is an offense has to be explosive and efficient, right? You have to have both. You can't just be explosive like the 2017 offense. You also can't just be efficient. Like we saw in, you know, 2018 and, and at times in 2020, because then you lack the explosiveness to really beat the best teams. And he talked about those two things, how important they were, but how you can't sacrifice one for the other. You have to try to establish both. That was huge. I loved hearing that. You know, he talked about teaching past concepts conceptually so you can move guys around. You know, that's been a big complaint that we've had. And, and now that he's got a healthier and a deeper receiving core, he's talking about this guy playing X and moving this guy in the slot and moving this guy over here. And talking about how you want to get all these different guys to football and, and line up guys in different positions and attack certain things from a matchup standpoint. I loved hearing that. Those were all great things to hear. You know, talking about the lesson he learned last year from a, you know, you, you, you practice X number of stuff. You only carry X number into a game. How do you, how do you balance those two things out? And I thought he explained why you can't just take a small number into a game in his view, why you need a little bit more than normal. And I thought he explained it and he had a plan for it and answered it very well. You know, the, the talking about the different personnel and how you can utilize that and how that presents matchup, you know, opportunities for them. And I mean, he really just kind of hit all the right notes uh, in my opinion of, of where he was going to go. And I, you know, my goal wasn't to ask him a bunch of gotcha questions. My goal was to try to help, Notre Dame fans get into his mindset, into his psyche of how he views offensive football and, and how he views what an offense should look like and 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 what he believes in philosophically. And I think I think we got a chance to see that. And it was very good. It was, I mean, it was it was very good to hear, uh, very good to to see him go into the detail and the depth that he went into. I thought it was um I, I really thought it was excellent. Coleman Smith said, uh, I love this. I'm fired up for September 5th, talking about the Tommy Reese interview. Tracy Tipton, love this interview. Great stuff. Armand Galanosa, awesome. A lot of people fired up. Omar Austin, these answers, this is great. I'm so fired up. Um, you know, a, a lot a lot of people really fired up. Uh, Jeff Perry says, I like the answer regarding Kane Madden. I thought that was very – the thing he said about Kane Madden that to me mattered the most was he talked about how they feel he's moving better than they thought, and that's what we have talked about. We hope that we see based on what he saw uh, from him at Marshall. So I, I thought that was good. And I loved his answers about the young receivers and Xavier Watts. You could just kind of see him get a little bit fired up about Xavier Watts when he's talking about Xavier, and that, that kind of got me excited because you all know how high I am on Xavier Watts. So to see Coach Reese – show a little bit of, you know, emotion, a little bit of energy there talking about him and, and talking about Lorenzo's speed and, and just the work ethic the freshman receivers are putting in. It was very, very encouraging to see. Carl Allner said, is Jack Cohn good enough to get us to an undefeated season? Schedule is a bit weak, so getting into the college football playoff will be harder if we have a loss on the record. I strongly disagree with a couple of those things, Carl, to be honest with you. I don't believe the schedule is weak. It's much harder than it was last year. And last year, Notre Dame got into the college football playoff with a loss. 
I've said this before. This notion that Notre Dame has to be undefeated to get in the playoff is a myth. There's zero evidence for it. Three times Notre Dame has been in the top four with a loss. Three times, already having a loss. It wasn't until the second loss they got knocked out completely. Obviously, 2015 was a little bit of a different situation. They got knocked out because they played like crap down the stretch. But they would have had a shot with a road win over Stanford to get back in. 2017, Notre Dame was the number three team in the country with a home loss to Georgia on their schedule and lost to Miami and Stanford. That knocked them out. If they beat Miami and Stanford, they're in. 2020, we saw a similar thing. And 2019 also, if they don't lose to Michigan on the road, Notre Dame's probably in the top four at the end of the year with a loss. So I, I, there's no evidence to me that Notre Dame won't get in with a loss. Assuming it's a it's not a horrible loss and the timing of the loss is obviously going to be important, but I don't, I, you know, I don't see that they have to be undefeated. Now, if you're in one of those weird years where there's four undefeated teams in the in the conference winners, then that obviously would make it a little bit tougher, but that would also make it tough to be in as an undefeated team if that's the case. But I don't think they have to be undefeated to be in the college football playoff. To your point, is Jack Cohn good enough to get them to an undefeated season? Yeah, I think that he is. I think he is capable of beating Notre Dame to a playoff, whether that's as an 11-1 team or 12-0 team. I don't think it's a gauntlet schedule, but you know North Carolina and Cincinnati are top 10 programs that people rank them. I don't think they're top 10. I think they're more top 15. Wisconsin's a top 15 team. USC's a top 15 team. Virginia and Virginia Tech are going to be improved. Georgia Tech's going to be improved. Stanford's going to be improved. USC is, I, I already mentioned, I mean, it's a, it's a quality schedule. It's not, there's no Clemson, there's no George on the schedule, but it's a, it's a good schedule. Week to week, you're playing teams capable of knocking you off if you don't bring your A game. And you know, I think Jack Cohn's good enough to to lead them through. But I think at the end of the day, it won't be Jack Cohn that determines whether they are or not in, in the the playoff. It's going to be things like injuries, things you can't control. But then also, how's the offensive line play? You know, do the receivers and the skill players step up on the perimeter to help the offense out? Does Coach Reese do what we're hearing he's going to do and what he's saying he's going to do, which is to develop an explosive and efficient offense? Is he going to do that? Is he Can he accomplish that? If he does... I think Jack Cohn's a great trigger man to get that job done. I really do. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Corey D., I just got here. Any questions about recruiting Bradshaw? Uh, that was not something I could ask him. You're not allowed to, as a coach, you're not allowed to talk specifically about recruits. Uh, so, no, that would not have been a question I, I would have asked him. AJ asked me, uh, coach, if Notre Dame were to miss out on both Williams and Merriweather, would they be forced to scramble for other receivers? Uh, what would happen? Yeah, they would have to. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to definitely turn up the heat on Xavier Bradshaw. You'd have to go after, you know, try to flip Joseph Griffin from BC. You'd try to flip Nicholas Anderson from Oregon. You'd try to go, you know, hopefully able to get Alec A. and Menor. 
there'd be a lot of guys you try to flip. But honestly, I'd keep recruiting those two guys too. I, I wouldn't give up on those guys. But I don't see them losing out on both of them, AJ. I, I That would surprise me quite a bit. I think they'll get at least one of them. Uh, whether or not they get two remains to be seen, but I think they'll get at least one of them. Michael Campbell, I like the word aggressive, but I need more detail so I have a mental visual, especially versus top five teams in the college football playoff. I mean, I, I don't – Michael, if you kind of ask a, a little bit more specific question, I mean, what do you mean you need details in a, in a mental visual? I think it comes down to a couple things. I think I think temp, uh, being aggressive refers to – you know, being willing to uh, be aggressive with your tempo at times. It means being willing to be aggressive with, um, you know, doing things where you're not, it's not just about attacking down the field, but being aggressive is also about using your formations and your alignments to, to attack people. I think it means about taking advantage of your personnel to say, Hey, look, we feel that they, we found this weakness that they have on defense and we're going to exploit the heck out of it. I think last year he made a comment. He said, you know, we're, we're we got to make sure we're playing, uh, to win and not to lose. And I think last year at times, and I don't think it was on him. I think it was more of a Brian Kelly thing. It was the faith of the defense and just knowing they weren't playing a good schedule to say, Hey, look, we just got to get out of these games with wins. And it was a COVID year. And it was just kind of like a weird year. It's like, look, just, just win the game. I think going into it with being a little bit more aggressive saying, Hey, look, we want to bury this team right away. So, you know, does that mean we take a shot early? Does that mean on second and two, I may, I may call more downfield shots to try to get big plays or screens or different things instead of just moving the chains. You know, do you do more things personnel wise to, to try to get multiple personnel? Do you exploit misadvantages that you have personnel wise? Do you do things where maybe you run a few more trick plays? Do you th do things that, try to create isolations? Do you do more RPOs to try to take pressure off the offensive line? I think all those things are part of it, and a lot of those things are things we saw from Notre Dame in the spring. Now it's just going to be about how much of that do they emphasize when they get into the fall. I think that's going to be be the big question. Uh, Joseph Shannon says, uh, Reese didn't seem as enthusiastic as I expected about the changes that we know the offense needs. Did you get that impression? I, I didn't. I actually thought he was talking about – I mean – I guess part of it is I, I don't see it about enthusiastic because I don't know if Tommy view, Coach Reese views that as a change. I think for him it's about, hey, we did this last year because of of what we had. We had the big receivers, we had tight ends, we had a running back, we had a great O line, we had a veteran quarterback who he won't tell you this, but wasn't great at you know reading down the field and going through his reads and those kind of things. But you know, Lindsey was hurt, Austin was hurt, the other guys were young guys, and so. They did what they needed to do. I think he just views it as this is just an evolution of the offense as opposed to a change. But I also think Tommy is a very – I mean, we've seen in interviews before, he's a very calm and calculated speaker. So I don't think he's a guy that's going to have that same energy level. You know, it's so like when I'm in a show and I'm just getting fired up, you can see it. When you look at Marcus Freeman, you can see that. I don't think that's really Tommy's DNA. I think he's more of a cool, calm, collective kind of guy as a former quarterback. And so I just don't think it's something where he necessarily gets fired up about it. But, I mean, as far as saying all the right things, I mean, he was saying all the right things in this interview about what the offense is going to be. And he wasn't speaking about those things from the standpoint of there are changes. He was speaking about those things Well, that as more of like, a, of course, we're going to do that. Like he made a comment early in, the, early in the interview where he was talking about, you know, you know, adapting the offense. And and part of it is just looking at who we are and what we do and things that I think we need to do. And the other part of it is studying other teams. And so he's now made that comment twice. He did it this time and he did it in the spring where he's talked about, you know, looking at other teams that are doing it. Well, who do you think he's looking at? 
You know, he's not looking at Northwestern, right? He's looking at the teams that are winning, that are scoring at a lot of points and saying, hey, what are they doing that we're not doing and how can we fit that into what we're doing? And he talked about that. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to like just be super emotional about it. So I, I actually didn't take it that way, Joseph. I, I, I took it as I was actually very encouraged, uh, very encouraged by by what he was saying. And, and I like the fact that he wasn't even looking at it as a change or a wrinkle, just more of an evolution of who they are and – you could almost kind of sense, in my opinion, and I could be reading more into this than this there, but this is just how I read it live. And as I listened to it again the second time with you all, I, I got the same impression that there's a, a an excitement that he has that he's trying to hold back about how many weapons he has. But you could see it a couple of times. He starts listing off all these guys, and at the very beginning, he starts talking about you got to get mayor the ball and this guy the ball and he just kept going on and you could just see he's like look at all these weapons i have you know but he's he's too he's too calm of a guy to and he's also again he's really i mean his dad's a his dad's a college football coach right his dad's was a former nfl scout i mean he understands how to how to play the game in regards to you don't want to give too much away right and you don't want to let your emotions or your how you react to something maybe give away something you know, and he's got that cool demeanor, that calm demeanor is what I meant to say. And so I don't think he's trying to give much away, but you could see in certain comments that it's like he's excited about certain things. And so I definitely, I definitely got that sense in my opinion. Garrett Nutson with the super chat. Garrett, thank you so much. Garen, excuse me. Thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate that very, very much. Garen says, great interview and asks, what are some major minor obstacles specific to Notre Dame regarding attracting top talent to commit how do we overcome them uh, you know i think i think that for me garen offensively is what we're talking about i think the first one is sort of what coach reese was talking about is there's been times when notre dame has been you know explosive times have been efficient but they've never been them at the same time which has kept this offense from really being a dynamic offense and at the end of the day that's what's going to attract recruits on offense is you know, if you're, for example, Malachi Nelson recently committed to to Oklahoma and you look at Dante Moore and he's looking at Michigan and Ohio State and just say look at the Ohio State aspect of it. If you're a quarterback and you look at the Oklahoma offense, which is consistently mid to high 40s, and like a down year for Oklahoma is like 42 points. You go to Ohio State that's mid to high 40s every year, putting up a ton of yards, 500 plus yards, running and throwing. And then you look at the Notre Dame offense, which is like low to mid-30s every year, doesn't have the dynamic offense. Who are you going to want to go play for? Notre Dame hasn't had a first-round draft pick at quarterback since 2007. You know, they haven't – they've only got, what, two NFL quarterbacks drafted in the last decade, period. You know, they haven't had, you know, receivers going in the top 15 very often. You know, I mean, even the tight ends that are going high, they're, they're, they're not guys that are putting up monster numbers. If you're a skill player – where would you want to go? You'd want to go somewhere that's going to allow you to be a really big time playmaker. And so I think the product on the field on offense is the biggest thing. Some of the other things that have held Notre Dame back in past years have been fixed. They've been corrected. I mean, Brian Kelly's involvement on the recruiting trail this offseason has been beyond what he's ever done at Notre Dame. And it's not a coincidence that all of a sudden you're seeing the success in the recruiting trail. And so I think that's part of it. And, you know, making good coaching hires, you know, watching Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens and and Mike Elston as a coaching staff. I mean, again, we need to see more from from Chris O'Leary, but I think I've heard good things about him. But, you know, that's a real dynamic staff, and I think that's a very important piece to to doing this. And, you know, I, I 
I, I think that's a big part of it. I think that's something that's lagging on offense. I don't think it's some of the key positions on offense, running back, receiver, they really have dynamic recruiters. And I think that's a big part of it. So I think there's still some room to improve, but I, I, I've never felt like a lot of the other things that people pointed as excuses, the North, it's too cold. Well, it's cold in Columbus, right? It is. Uh, you know, oh, it's academics. Well, all of a sudden, the academics don't matter for top recruits on defense, right? It's it's never been that. It's always can you can you can kids compete for a championship? Can kids feel like they're going to be developed for the NFL? And can kids get a great education? And Marcus Freeman hinted, you know, talked talked about this on his interview with Chris Zorts, which we talked about. And Notre Dame was always able to offer one of those things, sometimes two, but now they can offer all three, and and the result is what we're seeing on a recruiting trail right now. Nolan Espars us. Uh, let's see here. Uh, a couple of follow-ups to Joseph and Joseph. Thank you for for being in the chat today and and for for asking that question. It was it was a fair question. I mean, it's part of getting to learn and know about these coaches. But Joseph uh, Nolan says, I just think that is Reese's personality. I don't know if he's the type of ever to get super fired up. Uh, not in the he's he gets fired up. Trust me, I've heard plenty of stories about how fired up he gets in practice. It's just not he's not going to let us see that, which is fine. That's okay. Uh, I liked what he had to say, and he seemed as excited as he ever gets. And Nolan also says, I really enjoyed the interview. And I know Reese isn't one to get too emotional, but feels like he is looking forward to putting his mark on this offense this year. And I agree. And he he's made a couple comments like, hey, I know that, I know it's out there. I know the mantra is out there. I know what's said about us. And he just said it in a way like, you know, we're, we're going to shut a lot of y'all up this year. It's just kind of how I read it. Maybe that was just me reading too much into it. But, you know, I, I, I think he's going to want to, I think he's going to want to obviously shut those people up. I mean, any competitor would, right? Joseph Barrett, it's a good question. How would you rate Tommy Reese as a play caller, uh, Joseph? It's a little bit too early for me to to know that. I, I I'm um, I'm really trying to to, to look at last year differently because I think it was different. I mean, you had no spring ball, you had no hardly any summer workouts. Twice during, you know, once during fall camp, they had to pause because of COVID. Then they missed a game and had to pause in the middle of the season because of COVID. You lost your two most explosive receivers during the season and Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay. And, you know, it just was one of those things where I just think it was kind of like get through the season, win as many as you can. And I don't know if he was able to put his stamp on the, on the, on the program yet. I think, I think we, I saw some, some schematic stuff that I liked last year that at times maybe was a little bit too complex for the quarterback to execute. Maybe it'll be more effective this year. I think that there were some games I was really impressed. I actually thought by the end of the year, I thought he was calling really good games. I, I remember at the time of the Boston college game, I said, boy, if this is what Tommy Reese is all about, this offense is going to be really good. And then of course you lose Jarrett Patterson in that game. And it kind of, kept you from taking that next step as an offense and limited what you can do. Then Tommy, Tommy Kramer got, got hurt as well around that time. And it just, it really limited what I think they could do. Kyron got banged up in the BC game too, if you remember. And they just weren't able to build on that success. But I mean, that, that BC game, he was putting Kyron in the slot and matching him up on linebackers and safeties in the past game, taking shots and running the ball and just doing a lot of things. I think he was trying to kind of finding his way. And then you had the injuries set in. So I, you know, I wasn't blown away by it last year, but I, I don't think a lot of that was him. I think a lot of that was this is what Brian Kelly wanted to do, and, of course, it was his first year as a coordinator. So, to me, I kind of give him an incomplete or, you know, to be determined, I, I don't think that I would put a grade on it. I'm I'm more interested to see what he does in year two with a normal offseason, and I'm trying to 
with a lot of things from last year, not just with Notre Dame, with other teams as well that were out of character, or maybe you just didn't get it. You know, circumstances were such that you didn't, maybe you don't feel like you got the great look at it. Being more open minded to then watching it and evaluating this year with more of a, a clear conscience on it or a clear a clear mind to say I'm not going to hold last year against him. Let's see what he does this year, and if we see some of those things this year, then maybe have some problems. And if we don't see them, then we'll know that that this is more about who he wants to be and what he wants the offense to look like. John Rich, uh, Brian, you really showed your Q and A interview chops well done. I appreciate that, John. That's definitely not what I believe my strong suit to be, but uh, I thought his answers were were excellent. Corey D says, what are you hearing with regards to who will return punts? We have too many athletes to put, just put Matt Salerno back there for fair catches. I haven't heard much other than just what we saw in the spring. We've seen Kyron Williams back there doing it. We saw Lawrence Keyes back there doing it. We saw, uh, let me see here. I'm trying, there's a Lawrence Key. Uh, I said Lawrence Keyes, Kyron Williams, Lorenzo Styles was back there doing it. So we saw some guys back there. I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier Watts gets a shot back there as well, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I look if one, if some of those guys can have a, can show that they can field the punt consistently and protect the football and be big play guys, then I, I think they'll put them back there. I mean, look, they didn't put Matt Salerno back there last year until Xavier Watts fumbled that ball against Florida State. I don't think that's what they should have done, but you know that's what they did, and you know it. it I mean, I understand it, don't love it, but I understand it. Um, I, hopefully, this year one of those explosive playmakers will be able to protect the ball a little bit better. Elijah Mills, love to see you expanding the content with Film 101 in the interview. I appreciate that, Elijah. We're always going to try to mix it up. I don't ever want to get stale or we're just doing the same things over and over again. I want to always try to keep it fresh and keep you all coming back. That's obviously the goal. Michael Campbell says, I have watched game film on Notre Dame versus Georgia, Bama, or Clemson. We have plays with no blocking on pitch-out passes or screens that are too slow to work against the talented defensive killing drives. Uh, I don't know what plays you're referring to as far as no blocking on pitch out passes. I'm not quite sure what you're referring to there, Michael. I don't know if you're talking about the receivers aren't blocking well, or if they're schematically not, not block. I'm not sure. So if you want to follow up and explain to me what you mean by that, I would appreciate that. Uh, screen game has been a problem for Notre Dame. I mean, I've talked about this a lot in hours breakdown. It's offensive line. Timing, it's just the designs weren't great. You know, and then some of the things that I think they need to do schematically in the screen game, they don't do some of the quicker hitting screens. But yeah, the screen game has been a mess for Notre Dame. They hit a couple last year. You know, had Cardin Williams went for 75 against Duke, and then, you know, uh, Chris Tyree had a really nice screen against um, uh, Alabama. We saw a really nice fake reverse screen, slip screen to, to, to Jafar Armstrong, I think, against Duke as well, and also uh, had a nice screen to him against South Florida. But by and large, the screen game has not been good at Notre Dame for years, and it's something that's got to be improved upon, in my opinion. I think the screen game in today's game is important, and I'd like to see them improve on it. But in regards to the first part, I, I'd be curious kind of if you elaborate on, the, on that. And I don't think those are the reasons that Notre Dame's not successful in those games. I think there's a lot of other reasons that go into it, including, you know, I was talking with a, a, a buddy who's in the scouting business last night. And he was talking about watching Clemson and Bama this past year and how there were guys open and this quarterback wouldn't throw the ball. And that was true in those two games. It was true in Georgia 2019. It was true in Georgia 2017 with a different quarterback, but it was true in 2018 against Clemson. There's been plenty of times in these games where you see guys open 
they got to throw him the ball. And, and I think that's something that I'd like to see change. But until the play, the, the, the quarterback play improves, it doesn't really matter what you do play calling wise. You're going to be held back offensively. Brandon asks, what was the biggest takeaway that you had from Reese player development, offensive scheme and or philosophy, offensive line progress, et cetera? You know, the biggest, there was a couple takeaways for me. Obviously, when he started talking about aggressive and, and, and efficient, that struck a, a chord with me, as you all know, was going to. The other part to me was just, he talked a lot about the desire to, he, I don't say spread the ball around. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but use v more versatile weapons this year, which is something we've talked about. That obviously struck me. But then also the moving guys around, you know, not just having Braden Lindsay do this, this, and this. And then he also talked about, you know, if hey, if it, putting too much on guys, I think that those are the things that really stuck out to me because those are the criticisms that we've had, right? You're not playing enough guys, asking way too much of players. And he talked about, you know, last year we felt we could do that because of these veteran players, but it's not necessarily who we're going to be. That was encouraging to hear. Um, but, but, you know, just that, that does understand that he talked a lot about wanting to get the ball in the perimeter and didn't say it specifically, but just when you, when you read into those things, what I'm inferring from what he's saying and what I know some of those things mean, I think that was an encouraging thing for me. And I didn't want to get into specifics that I, I don't know if he would have answered or would have been able to answer with as much detail, like, Hey, are you going to run more RPOs this year? Like simple stuff like that. I, I, I want to try to avoid that and try to get more into his philosophy, his psyche of of how he views just what a great offense is supposed to look like and how what's the process of getting to that point. And I think those were very encouraging things that I that I took out of the interview. OC Irish fan, I want Coach Reese to be a lunch bucket, go to work and get the job done. We have a cheerleading squad. Look, I mean, look, I understand. Look, I get that right, and, and, but I think when you look at the question, I think Joseph's question is fair because they're you know it's, it's you're still learning who he is his personality is he just giving me answers that i want to hear or is he giving real honest answers and i think if you haven't seen a lot of coach reese and we have not seen a lot of coach reese i mean i'm i'm, I'm excited that brian kelly's allowing more access i think that's good for them it's good for the program it's good for their futures and it's good for fans but we haven't had a chance to see a lot of him. So not everybody sits there and watches every press conference that he's had, and it hasn't been many, to kind of start getting a read on what his body language is like, what his tone is like, and those kind of things where you do where you you know you may not know how reserved he is. Jeff Perry says, I think that Reese had a, has sort of a quiet confidence. He's not too over the top. It's almost like he's holding the winning hand and he knows it. Yeah, I mean I get that. I think that's very calculated because that's not how he he was a very fiery player, and and I've heard he's pretty fiery in practice, but he presents a completely different persona in interviews, which is good. I mean, I think that's that shows me he's kind of he understands how important it is to present a certain image of, of of yourself, and also how to give answers without giving away anything. I think that was a. I think he's very savvy at that. It comes from his time as a quarterback at Notre Dame. And, and, I, and I like it. I think he did a good job. Joseph Shannon follows up. I, thanks for the answer. First time in chat. I felt like you were speaking directly to me. Love it. Well, I was speaking directly to you because you asked a question. I think it was a very fair question, and I, I appreciate you being part of the chat. I think that's something that makes this a lot of fun. I love engaging with all of you all. Michael Campbell says, I believe Notre Dame fans are looking for a Sean Payton or John Gruden type of offensive coordinator that we haven't seen in years except for Brian Kelly earlier years coming from Cincinnati. I'm not looking for either one of those types of offensive coordinators, to be completely honest with you. 
I think the problem with both of those coordinators is they're overly complex, and I think that's been the problem. If you look at Notre Dame's offense over the years, they're very NFL scheme, very NFL-oriented, stuff that I think would work better in the NFL than it would in college. That's been my big complaint. I've never complained that Notre Dame doesn't do enough stuff or they they don't have enough volume of plays or they're not you know schemed complex enough. I think the problem's been just the opposite. Sometimes it's okay to just, hey, simplify and let those guys run. I don't know what Notre Dame fans are looking for. I think what Notre Dame fans want is an explosive offense, whether that's a John Gruden or Sean Payton type or whether that's a Lincoln Riley, you know, Phil Longo type. I don't think that matters. I think there's a lot of different ways to, to get the job done. I think a little bit more simplified would be good for this football team. And that's what I'm looking for. And and I don't I don't necessarily think those type of guys would be as effective at this level. And there's a reason the teams that are the most successful are are there's some complexity to what they do, but it's 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 not a ton of volume like like we're seeing from like it used to be and like it is has been for Notre Dame. Mike Kluka says too complex for an established quarterback. Yeah. And part of the problem is, is that I don't think Ian Book was really good at processing reads. He never showed the ability to, to be a guy that can go through three, four reads and get the ball out on time. It's why he always, he would run so often. I mean, you just watch the, look, I mean, we can ha- rehash this over and over again. Look, I'm, I'm at the games. I, I watch the back end. I, I watch it like I did as a coach. And when I was a coach, I watched the back end and I, time and time and time and time again you'd see guys open or about to come open and and Ian just never showed the timing the anticipation or the confidence to, to really attack those things and the few times that he did he was effective and when he was at I mean think about when was he at his very best as a quarterback it was his first five or six starts of his career he was minimum 71 to like 82% completion in his first five or six starts. 275 to 300 plus yards, just shredded teams. Well, if you go back and break those games down, there was not a lot of complexity to that. It was RPOs. It was get the ball out quickly. It was a couple reads, and, and that was it. And as they added more and more to his plate, he struggled. And sometimes it doesn't matter how experienced you are. Some kids just don't process the way that others do. It's just a fact. And Ian, to me, was never that guy. And I think that they understood that last year and they they coached in a way that, you know, protected that to a degree. And we'll find out if I'm right over these next couple of years, but that's just what I saw week after week after week, you know, watching him play. John A1, can't wait to watch this after work. Man, I'm really hoping to see Davis, Keys, Lindsey, and Austin rip defenses apart. Jacob Steely says, dang, I missed that. How awesome. Uh, he had a recent interview. I'm definitely be watching the full show later. Look forward to that. Tommy Lawson asks, with the slow offensive recruiting this year, does success on defense play a part in that? Um, So I'm going to answer this two ways because I'm not sure which way you're asking it, um, Tommy. Does the success on defense play a part to the offensive recruiting being slow? I don't think so, if that's how you're asking it. If you're asking about with the offensive slow recruiting this year, can the defense play a part in igniting that? Yes, I think it can. I think when you see what they're doing on defense, you're like, you know what? I want to go be a part of that. Uh, you know, I want to I want to be, hey, look, the defense is rolling. Now we need to get some guys going on offense. I want to be a part of that. I think it can help. Is it going to be the end-all, be-all? No. Is it going to be something that could be a, a, a tip-of-the-scale thing if things are close and the kid's having a trouble determining? Yeah, I think it can. 
Nolan asks, last year the team didn't have that go-to wide receiver that we have gotten used to over the years. Do you think there is a chance someone explodes this year, or will it be more of a committee again? I would just refer back to the first question, that the first answer that Tom and Reese gave. I, I've said this a thousand times, Nolan. I think it's nice to have a Michael Floyd. It's nice to have an alpha, but it's not needed to have a great receiving core. And, and Coach Reese kind of dove into it. He's they've got a lot of weapons. And, yeah, they're going to want to get the ball to Michael Floyd, Michael Mayer a lot. And I think he is a go-to guy. I don't, I don't think a go-to guy has to just be a wide receiver. It can be a tight end. Notre Dame's first undefeated regular season, their go-to guy was a tight end, not a wide receiver. So I think you'll have that, but I also don't think you need that. I think if you have depth of talent, and, that's again, that's the first thing that we addressed in that interview, there's, it gives you a lot of options that you don't wouldn't have if, if you have to feel the need to kind of force the ball to one guy. And I think that you can win with that as well. John Rich says, other than BK, what other Irish coach would you like to tee up for your next interview? I'd love to get Marcus Freeman, and I'm, I'm working on that. That would be a lot of fun to do. Mike says, um, we need that one breakaway wide receiver to be successful. I think they have a couple of those guys, Mark. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, the only ingredient to being very successful. It's certainly nice to have. I don't think Alabama necessarily had a breakaway receiver when they played Notre Dame. I mean, Devontae Smith isn't the burner in the traditional sense. Notre Dame has several guys at receiver that run, I would guarantee you, run the similar 40 times to what Devontae Smith reads. It's more about how you play the game. But yeah, I mean, there's, 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 they all do have those. I mean, Braden Lindsay is that kind of guy. I think Lawrence Keith can be a, can be a big play guy. I think Lorenzo Styles has that kind of speed, you know? So, I mean, they have guys that can do that. They had guys, I mean, they, look, in 2018, they had two receivers that were 6'4 that ran a 4'4'2 and a 4'4'3. I guarantee you those two guys were faster on 40 times than anybody had Alabama had in their starting lineup this past year. Again, because remember, Jalen Waddle didn't play against Notre Dame, so I'm, I'm, that's what I'm referring to. Against other teams, sure, but against Notre Dame, they did not have that guy. It's about how do you play the position and is your scheme geared towards maximizing that? You don't have to be a burner to be a big play receiver. T. Higgins ran a 4'5'5 at his pro day. He was a big play receiver in college. Uh, Nicholas says, are you aware of what Notre Dame is doing COVID-wise this season? Are we going to have to worry about players missing games, cancellations, et cetera? I don't know what Notre Dame is doing. I I'm pretty sure that all of their players will be vaccinated because Notre Dame passed a rule saying that um, every student and employee at Notre Dame has to be vaccinated. I've heard of very, very few exceptions to that. So I don't, I don't know if that means they're not going to um, – I don't know if that means they're not going to test. I don't know if that means they're not – you know, I, I I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know how they're going to handle that. And their name has not explained it. Let's see here. Corey D in the Wisconsin game at Soldier Field this year is, Sh is Shamrock game. Any word on the uniforms we'll be wearing? I think Shamrock games are kind of dumb and pointless. I disagree on that last part. I think Shamrock games serve a purpose. They're not end-all be-alls, but they serve a purpose. They're very important for alumni. And a lot of times I think they're fun. I don't know anything about what Notre Dame has not released their uniforms yet. It is going to be a Shamrock game. Uh, they've already announced that. Wisconsin has already revealed their throwback uniforms for the game. Notre Dame has not done theirs. So uh, I'm sure we'll find out at some point in time that if Notre Dame's going to wear a, a, an alternate uniform, which I would imagine they would, they'll release that as we get closer to camp. <laughs> Caleb Collins just watched the recent interview. I got a feeling – the offense isn't gonna isn't gonna be RPO style. I think his aggressiveness is just gonna be a couple shots a game. I don't think that's a that's not aggressive. I mean, that's not that's not what aggressive is. He already that was already they would take a couple shots a game. 
I think Caleb, I think that's just kind of taken projecting last year into this year. And I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily do that. I'd be a little bit more open-minded to that. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I don't think it's going to be RPO style. I think they will have RPOs. I don't think they would have practiced RPOs as much as they did this spring if they weren't going to use it. I just think that would be stupid. And I don't think these are stupid coaches. So I don't think that they would, I don't think they would spend all that time practicing on something daily and not utilize it. It just, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. So now how much will they utilize it? That's a very fair question. I think that's the me, the, the question for me isn't, will they run RPOs? The question is how frequently will they be part of the run game or not? And that's to me, the bigger question. Uh, I think that's, that could be the thing that determines whether or not they're effective or not is the volume, but they, they will be run. And I don't think again, aggressive is not a couple shots a game. no, no coach worth anything views aggressive as a couple shots a game. None. There's no one that I know that's a decent coach that feels that way. So unless you think Tommy Reese is just a complete idiot, which I don't think he is by any stretch of imagination, he's not going to sit there and say, hey, we want to be aggressive, and it just means a couple play-action shots a game. I just That's not aggressive. Aggressive, you can be aggressive and not throw a single pass beyond 10 yards in a drive. I mean, if you're coming out and you're pushing the tempo and you're taking RPOs and you know, you're running mesh, concepts and you're trying to isolate a guy you know and and you run guys off and you run a guy on a you know delay stutter in and then you just isolate him against the safety and you get him in space that's aggressive you know running a screen to a running back that's aggressive i mean there's a lot of things you can do to be aggressive that don't include vertical shots i think people kind of view that aggressive is only taking deep shots that's not the only way to be aggressive there's a lot of ways to be aggressive deep shots can be a part of that and often are a part of that but they're not the only thing as part of that Let's get the last couple of questions and then we'll uh, we'll be out of here. Larry, Larry with a great question. Any chance could Coach Reese could plus one Coach C to the Lake House? That's not happening. I don't know why you guys are so obsessed with me getting to the Lake House. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you, I'm not going to the Lake House. And if I did, I don't think you guys would ever hear from me again. I've already said that. There'd be too many potential accidents that could happen if I got invited to the Lake House. Uh, Chad Williams, if you were calling the plays, would you be what, what would your breakdown be wise on pass run for Notre Dame this year? 60 40. Is it all based on how well Cone plays game to game? I'll explain this to you, Chad. I have never and will never care about run pass ratio. I don't care. I think it is one of the most useless things to discuss in when evaluating offense. And I'm not saying this is a shot to you because this is just my opinion. I think you could be 60-40 and have a bad game plan. I think you could be 80-20 run to pass and have a bad game plan. And I think you could have an 80-20 run to pass with a great game plan. And then flip it. You could be 80-20 pass to run and it'd be a great game plan. And you could be 80-20 pass to run and it'd be a bad game plan. I think you could go 50-50 and it could be a crap game plan. I care about a few things. I care about are you utilizing your best players are you attacking the weaknesses of the defense? Are you scheming up in ways to create an efficient and explosive offense? And to me, balance is not 60-40. Balance is, are you good at both? Are you efficient and explosive at both? And I've said this for a long time. Can you be efficient and explosive running the ball? Can you be efficient and explosive and passing the ball? Because when you get to the postseason, there's going to be a lot of teams that you play that are going to be good enough to take one of those things away. And if you're a team like Notre Dame was against Alabama last year, where Notre Dame ran the ball well in the first half, Right, ran for over 100 yards in the first half. Got a score on the on the board, but you get in the second half, and, and Alabama says, "Yeah, you're not going to run on us anymore." And Alabama's good enough to say, "You're you're not going to run on us. You're going to have to beat us on the ball." 
can you do that? And Notre Dame couldn't. Uh, that that's to me what being efficient and explosive means. That's what balance is all about. It's about can you can you beat teams if they take away what you think you do best or what they're most afraid of? Can you still beat them with other things? If you have a, a great receiver and they're able to take him out of the game, are you still able to go out and put points on the board and be explosive and do the kind of things you need to do? That's what great offenses do. Sometimes that's going to look like 60-40 one way or the other. Sometimes it's going to be 50-50. Sometimes it's going to be 70-30. I don't care. And my, the other thing is if I'm calling a game plan and they're just not ch- – we come out and we're early in the game and, and we're just killing them with counters and outside zone, just killing them and they don't adjust to stop it, then I'm going to keep running it until they stop it. I mean, I'd be stupid not to, and then you'll be some passes and you know, mixed in. But if that means I run 70 times and we run for 350 yards and we win by three touchdowns, so be it. If we come out into a game and they're just loading the box up and we're just RPOing them to death and we ran the ball 20 times, but we threw it 35, I went 27 to 35 throwing the ball for 310 yards and four touchdowns and we go out and we shred them and we don't run the ball a ton. We only run for the ball for 85 yards, but we just destroyed them in the past game and, you know, whatever the case may be, then then I don't care. It, it's it's about taking advantage of what you can, how you can exploit the defense, figuring out what they're trying to do to stop you, encountering that and, and taking advantage of the areas where you have better players. And it's going to look different every time. It, it really will. And so I really don't, I have never gone into a game saying we have to run X number of times. I go into a game saying, on this particular series, what can we do to put the ball in the end zone? That's what I care about. And if that means we run eight straight – I mean, I remember watching a game when I was evaluating Chip Long at Memphis where he literally ran the same run play seven straight plays because the defense couldn't stop it. They ran their G scheme left or right, depending on where the ball was, like seven straight plays. I've seen games where Alabama came out and ran like three plays on an entire drive and just went right down the field and scored. And it was like inside zone RPOs, and that was it. It just it didn't matter because the other team couldn't stop it. That that's good play calling. There's no you don't need to be creative just to be creative. If they can't stop three plays and you keep running those three plays and you keep going down the field and scoring, then then you run those three plays. Phoenix Fournier says, "Great interview. Not being an early enrollee hurts his chances, but do you think Deion Colsey sees the field this season? Love his upside. He needs to play." Deion Colsey doesn't play this year. That's a problem. I mean, I'll stick with that. He needs to play. There's no doubt about it. Caleb Collins says, I just uh, I just say that because he was talking about string together plays like last year. Also, he talked about he knows the narrative of the offense, but it's just that his job to win games, that offense doesn't win. Again, I think you're reading into I think you're reading into things that I don't think are there. And again, that's just an interpretation difference. I didn't take it that way. I I think. I think you're looking at it with a little bit more of a natural skepticism, which is fine. I have no problem with that. I tend to be that way a lot. I just don't, I don't see that as being what he was saying. I don't. Um, I think what he's saying is we're not going to do something just because people say we should do it. Our goal is to win games. He also has said multiple times in the interview that when he looks around and sees what other teams are doing to win football games, you know, they're, they're doing things a way that you have to, you have to be able to adapt into your offense. And, and I think, you know, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I just, I just think that's, um, that's what he was saying. That's how I took it, in my opinion. Dan Diaco says, could uh, Kelly have a short leash on Reese play calling? I hope not. I really hope not. And last one from Mark. 
you need to beat teams with the run when they know you need to pass to run and pass when you need to pass. I don't believe that. I, I just I've never believed that. There's so many of these like mantras that go around when it comes to football, like you know, defense wins championships, and th- 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 there's not one way to win, right? And to say you need to you need to beat teams to run when they know you're you're going to need to run. Why? If if that's like if you're if you know if you are going to do everything you can to stop the run why it's like third and one why third and one if like oh it's third and one you got to run about why if they're going to put 10 guys in the box and i've got a one-on-one with chase claypool outside why, why do i need to force a run down your throat just to prove a point to tr- prove i'm more of a man than you are as a coach I, I just i don't get it i think it's you take advantage of what you can do if they're gonna if they're gonna leave me open and i can run nine straight rpo and throw the ball every single time and go right down the field then i'm gonna do that i don't feel the need to have to bang my head against the wall to prove something hey you know, it, perfect example. I've shared this before. We're in a, coaching in a game, and and back when I was at Duquesne, and we were at third and goal at the six yard line, and coach goes around, asks everybody what they need to do, what we, what should we call? Quarterback O line coach says, I think we should run a fade to Michael as our All American Michael Warfield, our best player. When I was the receivers coach. Hey, what about you, Dave, QB coach? Oh, yeah, yeah, fade to Michael. Yeah, yeah, running back coach. Oh, yeah, fade to Michael. Driscoll, what do you think? Run a draw. Well, why would we run a draw? I said, because everybody in the stadium thinks we're going to throw a fade to Michael. And we ran a draw and walked into the end zone, right? I mean, to me, I don't care if it's a run or a pass. I don't care if they know what we're going to do and we're going to do it anyway because we got to prove that we can do it even when they know it's coming. No, if they know what's coming, then do something different to take advantage. And that's what I believe in, Mark. And I believe that it's about exploiting what the defense is giving you and using your personnel to do that. And sometimes that means, hey, look, it's fourth and goal at the two-inch line. you got to be able to line up and pound it in. There's a time and a place for that, right? But I don't really care if, in most instances, whether you get it done from run or pass, I care about did you get it done. And I think it's going to look different in different games. And I think that, to me, is what makes you successful. And, you know, 20 years ago, you you were probably on that. I just think the game has evolved in a way that um, it just – it I mean, just get it done. I don't care how it gets done. I don't care if they know what you're going to do or not. Just get it done. Because if you score 49 points in the national title game, no one's going to say, well, yeah, but they they threw too many times when when the other team thought they were going to run. I don't think it works like that. So, um, but uh, – yeah. So anyway, but it's a really good question, Mark, and I, I appreciate your your question and, and appreciate the feedback. Uh, Chad Williams, I appreciate again, appreciate all your questions. Anthony, great show, Brian. Love the recent interview. Awesome. I'm glad you guys enjoyed. It. And and I want to thank Katie Lonergan, who is the SID at Notre Dame, for setting that up. I really appreciate that. I want to thank Coach Reese because he is on vacation. So just so you all know, Coach Reese took time this morning, uh, 30 minutes. That interview was 30 minutes long. He took 30 minutes out of his vacation time to meet with me. And to interview with me because we're, he wanted to make sure that that was given to you guys because that interview is not for me. It's for y'all. And so I want to thank Katie for that. I want to thank Coach Reese for that. Um, but uh, I, I really, really appreciate that happening. Last couple things and we're going to wrap up here. Uh, Michael Moore says, I got the feeling, I got the feeling our offense is going to be good. I was impressed with Tommy. Uh, and you in the interview. I, I was too. I was very encouraged by his. I even called my dad after, like, hey, you got to listen to the interview I did with Coach Reese. Cause, you know, my dad knows my frustrations. He knows, he knows my, what my offensive mind is like and what I like and don't like. I said, you're going to, you're going to really like this. Didn't tell him really what we talked about. Just told him you need to watch. And um, yeah, it was really good. 
Jonathan Kazmarek says, I've had some phone issues and technical difficulties these last couple of days, so I've been unable to watch the show, but all is well and fixed. So I'm back, thank God, because I missed IB bad. I'm, you know, I'm not going to rule number 76 here right now, Jonathan, because I have had, uh, I've had those technical problems can be a, a monster when they get you, but I'm glad you're back. And that's why I'm glad that you can go back and listen to the shows that we stream, that you can go back and, and uh, they don't just go away. So, you know, that's, uh, it's obviously a, a great thing. So, um, yeah, so I'm glad you're back. So that's gonna that's gonna do it for today's show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to the Coach Reese interview and listening to the interview I did with John at the beginning, talking about the Notre Dame secondary class. We will be back tomorrow at our normal time at one o'clock. We're gonna talk about the sophomores that we expect to be impactful for Notre Dame this year. Before you go, please do me a few favors. Number one, hit the like button on the show. Number two, subscribe to our channel. We're getting close to three thousand, and I really want to get to that three thousand. And then once we do that. I'm going to start getting on y'all about helping us get to 4,000. That'll be the next goal, obviously. Um, but make sure you do that. And then also sign up for our, our message board. It's a, It's been a lot of fun so far. We've had, we've actually had more signups than I thought we would have in the first week. Um, that's been encouraging. Our numbers on that have been encouraging. But I want more people on there and more people talking, right? So don't just come on there looking to read what I'm going to do. This is a chance for us all to talk. You share your thoughts. You share your opinions. You start your own posts and your own ideas. Ask people questions. I'm going to have my Irish breakdown top 25 on the site later this af- this evening, after afternoon, evening. Also have a feature about Notre Dame and the Big Ten, why Notre Dame's not in the Big Ten, and why I don't want Notre Dame ever to be in the Big Ten. So Andrew McDonough has put that feature together, did a ton of great research on it. Check that out. But to sign up for the boards, there's a link in the description bar below, but it's boards.irishbreakdown.com. Come join the crew. Come join the family. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're really growing that thing. It's already more engaged than I thought it would be this early. And you don't want to miss out. So so come do that at boards at irishbreakdown.com. And as always, of course, check out irishbreakdown.com. And we'll be back with you all again tomorrow for another show that I hope is a great show. Vince will be back, and we'll talk to you all again very, very soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.